Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The drinks industry continues to grow each year and a recent report predicted that the Irish whiskey sales are forecasted to exceed Scottish whiskey sales in the US by 2030. This will continue to drive demand for native malt and barley for the foreseeable future. The recent malt and barley webinar looked at issues around growing cover crops and nitrogen use in growing malt and barley and also into sustainability issues around growing the crop. The questions and answers session during the webinar was excellent and is worth listening to again. The first session concentrated on fertilizer inputs with David Walsh Chemist, a farmer and brewer from County Leash, who talked about his barley production system. He was joined by Owen Lyons, the Chagas Bormold Joint Program Advisor, who talks about cover crops, and by Dr. Richie Hackett in Chagas, who talked about nitrogen inputs to malt and barley for 2022. The first question was directed at Owen. Would drilling a catch crop of oats and mustard be better in that later drilling slot? Yeah, we would have seen that out on farm. That definitely, uh, with the examples where mustard might have gone in, you know, in that mid-September slot or maybe just in the first week of September and definitely performs better than going with the, with the traditional uh, glass mix. And we had an example of that um, that we tested this year, but I didn't get a chance to put it in the presentation. But there was no oats now involved, just mustard. But the mustard was drilled on the 10th of September and it was taken up about 23 kilograms of nitrogen a hectare. So look, if we compare that to our, our leafy turnip and forward rate mix that we had on John's farm there, it was only taken up about 10. So definitely there's there's definitely potential, I think, in mustard for the later sown um, cover crop over the over the other types of, of crops available. Okay. David, I wanted to throw you the next one here. And it's a question around what, have you seen a yield reduction in your um, distilling barley versus your, your brewing barley? Because you're obviously putting on different nitrogen on, on the two sides of it. Yeah, I mean, actually, last year was the first year that our distilling barley outperformed the brewing barley. Now, generally, I would have found we're growing laureate and planet. I would have found the planet would have been about, say, half a ton a hectare above the laureate. Um, but last year, it was actually the other way around. Now, I, it, I think it's more dependent on the season rather than anything else necessarily that we're doing. But um, that was the first time I'd seen it actually doing better than the planet. OK, OK. Richie, there's a second half to that question that was asked there. Um, and maybe you might be able to, to put in some insight into it. And questions around, could a GAI be developed around the catch crops or, you know, I suppose, does that exist or is it, is it because there's certainly one out there for oilseed rape at the moment? Um, yes, there's, there's definitely one for oilseed rape. And in theory, you could, I suppose, one of the problems is where, where you have mixtures. So a GAI, you could probably develop it for the likes of a, if you only had forage rape or mustard or whatever, or oats, but when you have a mixture, it, it gets a bit more difficult. There are various systems that have been developed abroad um, to try and estimate A, how much nitrogen is in the crop and B, how much is likely to become available, but they're, they're all quite complicated and um, exactly how well they work is, is a little bit un, unclear, but uh, I, I think it's definitely something that needs more work in, in order to, to try and, and predict how much nitrogen will, will come from these over time. Okay. Uh, Owen, I'm just going to go back to you. There's a couple of questions in there around the cover crops, the, the trial or the demo that you had in terms of the organic manures that were applied and how much of that slurry was captured. Uh, I think the differential was only around 10 kilos, I think, in the fresh weight, was it? Didn't seem to be a lot. Or Have you comment on that? Yeah, so I reckon roughly we captured about two quarters of the nitrogen that was applied in the organic manures. 
um, which we would have thought was a pretty good result, really, about, about how much that we actually got back out of it. So um, when we saw the differences in the field visually, there, there was a huge difference. But I suppose, as you've seen in the test, when, when we took the fresh weights of them, um, they weren't massive, but there was probably a good difference then in the amount of kilograms of nitrogen breaker um, that we've seen in the samples that we got tested. Okay. Uh, Richie, i just throw you this one here, and it's a, it's a question really around the availability of nitrogen in the soil. So the question is really around trying to grow malt and barley in, in fresh ground, um, but I suppose we could have a similar kind of scenario with organic manures going on ground in terms of the availability of nitrogen. How do we cope with that? Uh, it's, 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 it's not easy, uh, well, particularly that the fresh ground bit is, is probably the most difficult because you, you don't know exactly how much nitrogen is going to become available over the over the, the growing season and, and that's the catch. You could go out today and measure the amount of nitrogen in the soil, but that's only half the story. It's how much is released over the over the, the period from the decaying uh, grass material or organic matter. Uh, the organic manures are probably a little bit easier, particularly if you're putting them on worn ground and that we have a, a reasonable idea of how much nitrogen is going to become available from the organic manures. So the likes of pig slurry, you'd expect about 50% of the, the nitrogen to become available of, of what's actually in the, the stuff that you apply in the keys that you test what you apply and you know what exactly you're, you're, you're applying. Um, so the, the organic manures are a little bit easier. I think the advice would be for distilling barley in particular, I, I wouldn't be trying to grow it on fresh ground. It's uh, you're you're stacking the odds against yourself from the start. Yeah, not the place to go. Um, David, just the very last one to you before we move on to the next se session. And there's a couple of questions in there as regards grazing the catch crops crops mm -hmm. off, and what sort of an allowance do you make around nitrogen? Do you give it a little bit more, or pretty much the same? Or what do you do? Yeah, so what we've done actually with all our cover crops this year, they're all being grazed by sheep. Now, they're still out there at the minute. So like for me, I'm kind of hoping that we might get them plowed more or less just straight before we're going to sow. That's obviously going to be dependent on the weather. But ideally, we'll leave the catch crop in there for as long as possible to try and, and stay absorbing nitrogen for as long as possible. You can actually see where the sheep had grazed, say, in December, the catch crop is growing back up again. So, you know, it's still going. It's still hopefully taking in some nitrogen. But, but it, it's at a level now where we'll be able to plow it in. So in an ideal world, we'll plow them, leave them a couple of days and then sow them maybe three or four days afterwards. And if I'm feeling brave, we could be looking at maybe taking out 33%, which would be 15 kilos of, of nitrogen based on, on the, the analysis that Owen did. So it's 45 kilos in the crop um, because they've been grazed, because we're not plowing them until late and, and we're hoping then that it's not going to get washed away. We could go as maybe as high as 15, but that, that'll kind of depend on how brave I'm feeling on the day. Thanks, David. The next session was on sustainability with John Crowley, a farmer from Wexford, who talks about his farming practice, and Dr. Gary Lanigan from Chagas, who talks about the sustainability of malt and barley production. Gary took the first question. You talked about two different big lumps of, um, of greenhouse gas bits. You might just maybe go back over that in terms of what's Irish, if you like, and what's the carbon footprint bit. Yeah, so 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 really the, the, the big emission on farm from from the, the tillage operation side of thing is the application of nitrogen fertilizer. That, 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 that really dominates everything. Um, and that, that accounts for on-farm probably about 80% uh, of emissions, okay? Um, the off-farm, the off-farm component, um, again, is just as big, and that's the fertilizer manufacturer. Right. So if you want to reduce your carbon footprint, 
um, be careful where which company you buy your, your fertilizer from. If you want to reduce your on-farm uh, emissions, um, the first thing, if your tillage farm is get rid of any cattle you have, <laughs> and 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 then and and then after that, um, uh, the main things are to um, employ cover crops, strong corporation. Uh, you could move to a no-till system if possible, um, and then to manage your hedgerows in a way that we probably think is is not good hedgerow management, i.e. to allow them to grow out and up, okay? And you will essentially quadruple the amount of carbon um, held within those hedgerows. Um, and then after that, as I said before, incorporate woodland features where possible. And as I said, it doesn't have to be blocks of woodland. It can be buffer strips. It can be it can be feature. It can be small features, and um, simply to get 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 a few hectares of um, of uh, of that um, of uh, of forestry in. Um, so, so it's a very just so I, I I'm clear because we can often get very confused Ooh. in all these different figures that are going around in terms of what Ireland has to account for, and which might be different to what the world has to account for in terms of what's making yeah. a difference. Am I'm a right in saying that the manufacture, because it doesn't happen in Ireland. Is accounted for by somebody else, by the UK who does it, by Russia, correct. Who does it, by somebody else who does it. So correct, this, correct. From, because, from because, an Irish accounting point of view, we only have to account for the bit that might be lost through going up in the air through through nitrous oxide or through leaching. That's the bit. Yeah. However, yeah, absolutely. it mightn't be as simple as that. Am I, am I right in saying because if I'm selling whiskey or beer, and the consumer might want to know the totality of it, not necessarily the yeah. bit that's going to be accounted. So it's yeah. a bit so, complicated. Yeah, so so these are the two different things. So the carbon footprint um, includes the totality of emissions, okay? Um, but the, our, our national emissions are essentially just what we produce within the state. So so from, from our, our on-farm or, or uh, national emissions, um, uh, croplands are, are, are actually very, very, uh, good from a, a carbon balance point of view, you know, far, far lower, uh, you know, orders of magnitude below beef production and about two thirds below milk production. Okay. Uh, okay. Thanks very much, Gary. John, I want to come across to you. There's a couple of questions here for you. One is around, John, um, what is the normal catch crops that you, that you put in or are you going to put in? And also a question there around why are you applying organic manures to those cat crops rather than to the, the main crop and uh, the barley itself? Uh, yeah, I've been using the, the standard, I suppose, gloss mix, the leafy uh, turnip and forage rape. Um, if I go down more the min till route, I might use more um, tillage radish. But uh, for the moment, I find the, the, the standard gloss mix working grand. As regards putting on organic manures, um, Post harvest, uh, I'd find it just easier trying to get in with spring barley. Here, it's this time of year we've had a quite a dry time this year, but oftentimes it's very wet. You can get in after harvest, dry land, less compaction. Uh, it's a quieter time of year generally as well, and you get your cover crop in easily. Uh, you can also see how well the cover crop goes then coming into the, the the spring if it's see how it's performed over winter and it gives you a better idea how it's going to work into the following crop. Uh, the question is how much of the, the organic yours has been reached out over the winter and I think Ola's doing some work on that there at the moment as well to see is there going to be a complication coming from that and do we need to look at that again? 
because I suppose in the background we're 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 in in trouble. I suppose in the southeast in terms of nitrates getting into rivers and and uh, you have to try and mop up as much of that free nitrogen as you can. So yeah, thanks for that. Um, Gary, I want to go back to you for a second there, just in terms of the um, do you have any details as regards direct drilling and its effect on carbon uh, in the soil? Um, we don't at the moment. Uh, we're starting a study on that now this year. Um, so we're putting our CO2 flux tears over direct drilled fields. So come back to me in 12 months, Michael, and I'll give you the answer to that. Perfect. I think that's 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 uh, it's ideal. More more research needed as a typical researcher. More research needed. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, John, just back to you for for a quick question. You have um, incorporated some of your um, straw this year or last year, I should say. Are you going to make uh, an adjustment now in your P's and K's, or have you the ability to do that this year? Uh, I'd love to, uh, considering the price of fertilizer this year, but I probably won't. Um, for this year, I'll watch the soil samples going forward uh, just to see how it's affecting the soil with the type of soil I have. If it's building down, I will definitely be putting back, but it'll be more of a, an ongoing process of uh, watching how it's going. Thanks, John. And the final session was around the Chagas Bormalt joint program activities, which have been completed in 2021 and I look towards the 2022 season. Online strategy activities and demonstrations last year, and Tom Bryan talks about the new malting plant and the changes for growers in 2022. The first question in this session was directed to Tom. How much of that is coming through the supply chain? How much you know, uh, uh, influence has been exerted to you or onto your business to make sure you're as sustainable as possible all the way through what you do, coming back and, and with the stuff you supply? Yeah, Michael, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... it's, it's it's integral to um, all business now. Uh, there's targets out there globally, which every uh, brewer and distiller, and malt producer, etc., has to reach. So it's yeah, it's it's an integral part of the supply chain and something that will be here for the future. Okay, great. Um, Owen, I just wanted to come to you and just ask you just a quick question there, uh, just in terms of your soil samples. How up to date are people in the soil samples? Are, are, are most people kind of there, thereabouts, or within kind of three or four years of having a fresh soil sample? Yeah, I would say it's it's, it's much um, up to date as could be, really. Um, and over the first three years of the giant program, I suppose we would have got the majority of malt of board malt suppliers in under the scheme and got samples taken. Um, and no, the, the offer is there again and, and people have a full allowance again to go take samples again. So I'd encourage everyone to, to if they don't have samples up to date, to, to get them up to date over the next few years uh, as the joint program continues. Okay. And, and and complete a nutrient management plan, I suppose, and back of it too, I suppose. Would be Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tom, obviously there's been a, quite a few changes within your business in, in, in terms of how you... Um, uh, bring your barley into into Bormalt. Um, what sort of changes are there for this year uh, in terms of agronomy services, in terms of supply of inputs, that kind of thing? Okay, yeah, good question. Yeah, there's there's no real changes this year. So um, 2022 will be a continuation of 2021. So uh, the areas of you know Wexford, Cork, uh, Leash uh, will be covered by the. The crews that are there at the moment, uh, we don't envisage any change. Um, as well as that, uh, an interesting thing, and it came from the uh, Chagas Giant Program, the research work that uh, Owen had performed. We, in Harvest 21, we operated a system where we increased the distilling uh, cutoff point to 97. 
whilst maintaining the 8.8 to 10.8 brewing uh, parameters. And that will continue uh, next this year as well. Uh, The facts are that uh, in 2021, we only had a 2.7% rejection rate. Uh, Mainly, obviously it was a great year for growing crops, but mainly because we had the flexibility uh, that that overlap in proteins allowed. So again, something that we will continue with. And it was, uh, you know, thanks to the program for uh, pointing that out. Okay. And is there any other uh, changes in terms of malt and barley specs that are here? Um, Somebody mentioned KPH might be changing or not? Well, it, it, it won't be changing. KPH was there last year and we're going to continue with it again this year. The the main change in relation to KPH is that we will be paying a, a bonus deduction system on it. So and encourage, encourage you, higher KPH levels. Okay, to what base, uh, Tom? Uh, 63. So uh, baseline is 63. Okay, that was the same as last year, was it? Yeah, it should have been the same, yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, I, I might just invite um, all of the other speakers maybe just back in, in here to, um, uh, to to join us again just for um, the, the, the last few minutes because we're maybe just a little bit over time. We might only get to, to, to a few more small questions. I just want to throw one to, to, to David. And again, it's kind of back to the sustainability bit. Um, and you know, congratulations on your um, Ballykilcavan Brewery. You're, you're going from strength to strength, I, I think. Um, and I know you're in the middle of kind of building a brand and building that end of it, but is there anything that you can see coming from your consumers that you're directly uh, attached to in terms of that sustainability bit? Are, are they demanding more, demanding anything on your bottle to kind of say that it is or isn't as sustainable as something else? Yeah, I mean, from the business point of view, from the brewery point of view, it's it's actually hugely important now, just from a business point of view. I mean, I suppose we'd always like to think that we had that ethos anyway, but it is very much um, we're, you know, in terms of what's really important for us actually is, is say, on export. If we're going talking to uh, distributors in France or Italy or someone like that, that's one of the first questions they will ask us is what sustainability, what environmental credentials do you have and how can you prove it? So you can't just say, you know, we're, we're doing nice stuff. You have to actually be able to come up with numbers for it. So for us, the vehicle for that is the board via Origin Green. Um, so that means it's an independently audited. Now, I know that it'll come in for criticism from certain quarters in terms of some of the big companies that are in it. It's actually a very good framework for us. It's very good discipline for us because it's independently set targets that we have to adhere to. Um, and that then means that we can access a lot of the board via stuff as well. So we, for the company, the scale we're at, we have to be doing all these things. Um, and it also means partnering with the likes of obviously Minshew producing our malt for us. We have to be able to partner with them to be able to uh, you know, show that all our inputs are coming in sustainably and that we're processing them sustainably as well. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, a, it, it's certainly, a, it's in everybody's mind uh, nowadays, I suppose, you know. Um, Tom, I just wanted to come back to you uh, and it's, a, I suppose, a relatively simple question in terms of new molten, bar- molten barley varieties coming into the system this year. Have you got one or two varieties there that you're, you're testing or that, that is close to replacing the existing uh, stalwarts there? Yes, uh, we're, we're constantly testing every year, as you know, but in uh, from the 21 uh, crops, it looks like there is a variety uh, LG Mermaid, it looks like one that has a real promise. It's about 8 9% ahead of planet, just to put it in relative terms. And these, there's three other varieties as well, uh, Florence, Gretchen, and Spinner, that we're looking at. Um, they were on the, uh, be on the recommended list. All have great potential. So they're, they'll be going into pilot batch production this year, so maybe a couple of hundred tons. 
to see how they perform in the malting plant. Is there any issues with it or not? And do they brew distilled correctly? Yeah. So there is, it looks like a step change is about to happen in 23. Brilliant. Excellent. Richie, just wanted to throw a question to you. Question there around the, the placing of nitrogen or all of the nitrogen into the seabed and how that might affect protein uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, well, we, we looked at that a, a, a few years ago where we either put some a lot, a lot of it in the seabed or we held back some until, you know, mid-tillering and, and we could find no difference on either yield or, or protein. As long as you have some in, in, in the seabed, um, as long as you had it all on by mid-tillering, there, there was little uh, difference in, in how you, you divided up your nitrogen. Okay. Um, John, I'm going to come to you for the next one. There's a question there around um, hedgerows. Gary mentioned hedgerows in terms of managing those hedgerows. You mentioned on the other side of it that your fields are relatively small with plenty of hedgerows out there. Um, and Carrie mentioned, let them go wide and let them go big. Is that something that you are considering doing, considering your field size? Uh, it's something I'm definitely looking into. Uh, obviously, with like my average field size is just under six acres. So I'd be a little bit concerned about shading in fields and that kind of thing. But uh, definitely there's parts of the farm that they, there's massive improvement need, need to be made. And anywhere I can do it, I'll definitely doing it. Be doing it. Uh, like with twelve kilometers of hedgerow on what is one hundred and eighty acres of tillageure, it's quite a lot. But it, it, if it'll help to improve things going forward, yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm just going to ask two more questions because we're, we're we're a little bit over time. There's loads of good, loads of good information coming here. Uh, Richie, just want to throw one back at you. Um, there, there was a lot of oat and straw chopped um, last year. Uh, malt and barley going back into that how much of an effect is that going to have on maybe nitrogen for a start um, and obviously there's peas and k's in there as well you might have a comment on peas and k's as well well we're assuming that the oat and straw was incorporated, incorporated last uh, last autumn so in terms of, of of nitrogen and phosphorus there should be relatively little effect there will have been nitrogen a low amount of nitrogen going back into the crop but it'll be it's slowly available and very little effect on, on the phosphorus it's the potash the potassium is the big one and and you maybe expect to be reducing your your K inputs by something 50, 60 kilos of K per hectare. So in, in Owen's presentation, you mentioned an index tree, you'd be getting 80, you'd be applying 85 kilos of K uh, per hectare. So you'd be reducing that by, by 50 to 60 K kilos of K per okay. hectare. Okay, Tom, I'm going to give you the last word because we, we are bang out of time. Um, there's a question there, Tom, around kind of prices as it kind of always comes up. So I'm going to throw it at you. Um, uh, just around um, the FOB Creel price, uh, is that can that be made available to farmers? It can't be seen or accessed at the moment. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so we're working on that at, at present. Uh, normally, from uh, the second week of April onwards, it's released on a weekly basis. Uh, so I'd see that continuing. Okay. And uh, I, I suppose in relation to the specs, I've seen that uh, the specs are as normal, uh, no glyphosate. And as I mentioned already, 8.8 8 to 10.8 protein on the brewing, less than 9.7 on the distilling and the, the usual uh, normal screenings, uh, KPH level, etc. that we, we would have no, nothing uh, out of the ordinary. No big changes. Okay. No big changes. No. Many thanks to Tom and to Boer Malt and also huge thanks to the panel for answering all the questions in such a clear manner. So that's it for the Tillage Edge, and if you have a suggestion about a topic that you would like to hear more about, drop me a line at michael.hennessy at chagas.ie or on Twitter at chagascross. We always want to hear about farmers and people in the industry about what interests them 
so please do get in touch. There are a series of regional crop walks throughout the country next week. These walks are starting in Oak Park, Carlow on Tuesday, February the 15th. We're then in Cork on Wednesday, February the 16th, and in Wexford and Mead on Thursday, February the 17th, with the final two walks in Kilkenny and Dublin on February the 18th. More details on all these events can be found at chagas.ie forward slash events. Finally, don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.